Podcast. It is episode 16, Carolina on my mind. And we are brought to you with our new home, the Inside the Rink Podcast Network. InsideTheRink.com is your one stop shop for all your NHL news, insight, and analysis. You can follow them at inside underscore the underscore rank. And we're also sponsored by Lobs Brewing. Lops is a brewery and tasting room in downtown Woodsocket, Rhode Island, specializing in small batch ales and lagers. It's open seven days a week, and you can use the coupon code SPORTS to get 10% off your online order. Go to lopsbrewing.com and follow them at Lops Brewing for new beers and events. I'm Maddie, and my co-host, Smitty, has news from our new sponsor, BetUS. Yeah, BetUS. They're a friend of Inside the Rink and, and us here at the Bruins Benders Podcast. And BetUS has your NHL, NBA, UFC, PGA, and yes, the NFL betting lines, even though the NFL is over. You can still, you can still yeah. bet on uh, the NFL. I heard Brady is plus 4,500 to be the MVP of the league next year. Plus 4,500? Yeah. So there you go. Go over to BetUS, sign up, use the uh, promo code RINK for uh, 125% sign-up bonus. Again, use the coupon code RINK for your 125% sign-up bonus. Play with the proven mainstay in the industry. BetUS, you bet, you win, you get paid. BetUS.com. You know, 4,500 plus 45, you throw a hundred bucks at that. Hello. There's, you know, rumblings that he's coming back and he's maybe going, looking to find his way out to San Francisco. Yeah. And if that's the case, he very well could be the MVP. Mm -hmm. He very well could. Debo Samuel would love him to pieces. Yeah. I'm sure. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, so that's interesting. Uh, you can also bet on if Cl- Connor Clifton's going to kill a teammate by the end of the season. <laughs> that's plus 50. <laughs> that's, uh, that's minus that's, 50. That's almost it's likely. <laughs> right. Because he's right. an asshole. Uh, week, that's, that's right. The Week in Review is here, and it's February 10th. It was the Carolina Hurricanes. A 6 nothing loss, and this is the first game without Patrice Bergeron out with injury and Brad Marchand serving as suspension. Three games now against the Canes, outscored 16-2. to This can be concerning considering the Canes are potentially a team they could face in the playoffs. First game without Marchand and Bergeron, as I said, and played okay early, but it went downhill awfully fast. Yeah, they they were shorthanded, obviously, but they got rolled by a wagon. I mean, a stupid penalty by Frederick leads to a goal in the first. Uh, I thought the Bruins played a pretty good first period overall. They played physically. Stanika looked pretty good early on. I I kind of liked their fight in the first period without Bergeron and Marchand. I and then, <laughs> oh how the turntables <laughs> have turned in the <laughs> in the second period. Bad offense, bad defense. It seemed like the longest period in the history of the world. And then here's some notes that I took during the game. Hydrator, you will die. Play better in the third period. Blah, blah, blah. And then drink heavily. And then in the third period, it's over. Thank God. Yeah, it was a uh, it was a really bad effort. And, you know, 7-1 the last time they beat the Hurricanes. And then 6 to nothing this time. And both at home. And just not very good at all. And, of course, losing Marchand and Bergeron is a big, you know, big deal. But sometimes you, you have that happen. And for the first couple of games, you band together. You, you, you play a little more smartly. And you're trying to survive. And it seemed that way in the first period, as you said. And then uh, the last two periods were just a disaster. February 12th at Ottawa, could they turn it around? And they did with a 2 nothing win. And this was a good win considering what had happened against Carolina and, of course, being out without Marsha and Bergeron. Those are playing some good hockey. They came out with two wins after the break. Uh, the Bruins played the, uh, the way they need to when they are less than a full strength. A little more you know, conservative defensively, managed the puck better, 
play well in front of your goaltender, uh, and you don't grade the wins at this point. So you needed the points, and you got the two nothing win. Yeah, I thought it was a pretty good win. Um, Freddie scored early. They had good energy from the beginning. It was a nice bounce back after the Carolina game. The only downside, uh, Jack Ashan gets uh, run by Austin Watson. They call a minor. And then they call matching because apparently you can't shove a guy that just elbows a teammate of yours in the head. Apparently that's not, not allowed. So, so they went four and four, went four and four at that point. The Bruins had 22 shots in the first period of that game. It was their most shots in the first period all year long. So they, they did uh, bring the energy. They had a couple of great chances to get it to 3-0. Um, but Murray, Matt Murray came up with some big saves. Uh, and then Swayman made some big saves to keep it a two-goal lead. And then the Bruins kind of cruised in the third. And then tonight, uh, February 15th, at the Rangers, 2-1 to one loss in the shootout. I thought the Bruins played pretty well. The first period was good, only two shots given up to the Rangers. And then the second period again, another second period that just doesn't go well. They've had a lot of those uh, in the recent games. Uh, and that turned the tide some. Luckily, the Rangers weren't able to do much with it. But then in the third period, it caught up to them. They give up the goal, and then it's 1-1. And then, you know, they really couldn't manage the puck all that well in the third period. There were times when they just couldn't get the puck out of the zone. And a clear case of that was one time toward the end of the, I think it was the end of regulation, maybe two minutes left, three minutes left. And Carlos going to the sideboards and he's got a step on the guy and he gets there and he just takes a, an hour to try to, to try to get the puck and, and try to get it out of the zone. He doesn't just whack it down the ice. And they're on, they're on, on the penalty kill. So he can fire it down the ice, and he doesn't do it. And then they're hemmed in again for another 20, 30 seconds. And they finally get it out. And it was just one of those games where in the third period, they just could not do anything to manage the puck at all. And then in the shootout, it's just one of those things that both teams start out hot. DeBrusco with a great goal. Uh, to start it and then coil with a goal to save them from losing early and then it goes nine rounds and, and they end up losing in the shootout but of course you get the you take the point so one one and one in those three games and uh, I guess that's pretty good considering yeah I thought it was a pretty good first um, bad second periods are definitely a thing now it's been happening for a while they need to figure it out because that can't keep happening against good teams too many guys turning down opportunities to shoot the puck there was one point on the on the power play, Jake DeBrus gets the puck down low, beats his guy to the front of the net, is in front of the net, and passes to the fucking left wing circle. Like, what are you doing, bro? Shoot it. And then there was a few times that Taylor Hall came down on two-on-ones or three-on-ones or three-on-twos with Pasnock. Pass, pass, pass. And they didn't end up with shots at all on any of the opportunities. You can't have odd man rushes against good teams, especially with your top guys out, and not even get shots off. Like, that's just terrible puck management and decision-making. It's pretty bad. It's frustrating They need to keep it simple. The goals that they've scored recently have been uh, rebounds off shots. The goals they scored tonight, Smith shoots, Coyle buries a rebound, Bleed shoots, Lazar buries a rebound. Like, that's how they're getting their goals. When you don't have your top-end players making fantastic plays or when you're not getting a lot of power play opportunities, like they only got one power play tonight, you need to score greasy goals. You need to get to the net take shots and bury rebounds. And, and I, they just overpass themselves into the fucking ground, into the ice. It's ridiculous. But one, one and one without Bergie and Marshy, you take it and run, I guess. No, yeah, you do. And boy, that, that goal by Coyle was a horrific turnover by the Rangers. It really was. They really just left in the zone. Yeah. And then Coyle uh, goes down and he gets the uh, he gets the rebound goal. And, and Coyle's been really good. And that's uh, been good because they needed him to be. Absolutely. Bergeron in there. And um, yeah, I mean, it's just, again, a case of another, you know, second period from hell. Start out well. You know, start out ready to go, and then second periods have just been just been terrible for them. It's a bad trend, and it continues, which is a little concerning. Uh, all right, time now for seven chirps, and this is where we answer seven questions about the Bruins in the league. And number one, David Krejci report was that he has not ruled out returning to the Bruins this season. Is this a good thing? And will the Bruins hold off on adding a, a second line center because of it potentially? 
I mean, I think it's a good thing that he would consider it. I honestly, I I don't think it's going to happen at all. I think there's like a 2% chance that it happens. So if that precludes them from going out and getting a second line center, Sweeney needs to be fired yesterday because it's, it's, that would just be monumentally stupid. Like if you could get Krejci back and you go out and make a deal for a second line center, then that's a fucking bonus. So then now you have Bergeron, Krejci, Coyle, and you know, you have guys you can move around. You could play Coyle up on a wing. There's all kinds of things that you could do if you make a trade for, for a second line center. You know, maybe Coyle's your fourth line center. If that's the case, you're fucking dynamite. You can't bank on Krejci coming back at all. You can't. No. No, and I, and I don't think he will. Uh, first, he has to go through waivers, too. So that's right. another issue that they have to figure out. Uh, so they have to give up some sort of compensation and make that work in some way. I don't see it happening either. And and here's the thing. Even if it did, you have to prepare for next year possibly not having Patrice Bergeron or David Krejci. Mm-hmm. So you have to go out, I think, and get at least a second-line center. That has to be the target just for your future alone. Not just for now. So that's why I've been saying, if it's like JT Miller and you have another year and you may be able to convince him to re-sign beyond that, then you do that. Regardless of what Krejci's going to do, regardless of what you think, if you think Bergeron might come back, any of that, you need to focus on the center position because it's becoming dangerously a dangerous situation for them. It Absolutely. Because you're not going to have one the top your top center or your second-line center on the team potentially next year. Then what do you do? And you don't have a ton of cap space, and you have to – you know, they don't grow on trees. So it, it's really – potentially, they need to go out and, and trade for a second-line center. I think that's their number one thing. We bang on the defense all the time. Carlo's been bad. Clifton's bad. But I think that ultimately their top – the top get this uh, trade deadline is the second line center just because they need it going forward badly. All right. Number two, Tuka Rask has retired. What do you think is his true legacy in Boston? I think he is the best goaltender in Bruins history. I think he will be a hall of famer. I think that's probably up for debate, but I think he will get in ultimately. And um, there's been some ups and downs, shall we say he didn't win them a cup, but he still has one of the best save percentages in NHL history. He has one of the best goals against averages in NHL history. He's a top goalie in the league, and that's how he should be treated. And seeing some of these other goalies play now, you should appreciate what you had for 15 years because the goalie position, as you look around the league, I mean, that. It what is what prevents some teams from being contenders. They just don't have the goaltending. Right. You know, Edmonton's been searching for a goaltender forever. Philly yeah. has been searching for a goaltender forever. Even when they were good, they they didn't get the goaltending. You know, Colorado, Pitts, Colorado, Pittsburgh's, yeah. Pittsburgh's been up and down. When they've had the goaltending, they've been really good. When they haven't, they've been out early. Um, mm-hmm. So it's such an important position that he, he really should be celebrated for all he's done here for, for 15 years. Yeah. And they had the luxury of having, you know, Thomas and Rask for several years. And now you're seeing, like you said, sometimes Swayman and Elmark, sometimes they're pretty good. Sometimes they're very average. And let's face it is you can hate Tuka Rask all you want. There were far less very averages than they were very good to excellence to elites uh, with Rask over the years. And he took him to two cup finals. Uh, you can make the case on whether or not it's his fault, not his fault. I'm not hundred percent sure it is his fault. Blackhawks were a wagon at the time. You had him in game six. Defense failed you miserably in the end of the game there. And, and the Blackhawks were excellent. Very, very good. And then against the Blues, you know, Marcus Johansson, he bangs in a golden opportunity in the first period, and it's one nothing Bruins. That might be a whole different game. Absolutely. And he couldn't score. You know, they, they were they were completely carrying the play, couldn't score. And then, you know, sticks got tight, and and it was uh, – it was downhill from there. So I think he gets an unfair rap on those as well. It's uh, he was, I think it was Evan Marinowski who talks about how absurdly good he was against the Penguins. Was it in two thir- 2013? Yeah. They swept, swept him. Yeah. And, and they were really good at the time. They were Pete Crosby creep, you know, uh, peak Malkin. Peak Latang. You know, yeah. Yeah. Latang. Everybody at the top of their game prime. 
and he they swept him. And he was the number is nine forty save percentage. I think it was. I think but it was higher was than that. I think up. it was higher than that. I think it was like yeah. I want to say it was like nine fifty seven or nine eighty seven. Like it was some ridiculously ungodly right. performance. I mean, he he was. I, I agree with that. He he's the best. Uh, does personality help him? No. You know, he's not a blue collar. You know, Tim Thomas was more of a. You know, if people could relate to him. He was a flopper and a unconventional goaltender, and and people became lovable with him. And let's and you know, here's the other thing about Tim Thomas. You know, there were times he wasn't great, and even in 2011 against the Canadians in that first round, you know, he wasn't great in that round. Uh, at all, and then they were able to to you know come back and win that series, and then he got better as the playoffs went on, and then he was you know standing on his head for for largely a lot of it, uh, and he went and he won the cup. So if Rask went as we had won a cup, let's say he wins Game Seven at home, and it's probably completely different. So I think Rask is is definitely the best goalie they've ever had, and and he deserves to go into the hall. We'll see if he does. Uh, number three, does Patrice Bergeron's latest head injury have an effect on his decision to continue playing beyond this season? So is this one last little reminder that he has had a concussion history? Yeah, it it makes me very nervous. I'll tell you that it makes me very yeah. nervous. I think it can have an effect on on his on what he decides to do. It just you know that's a the head's a funny thing, and he has a young family. I think it could definitely weigh into the decision. The fact that he's possibly coming back pretty soon, I think is a good thing for the Bruins for the fact that it, it was not a bad enough concussion to keep him out for a long period of time. So I think that will help a little bit, but in the grand scheme of things, you know, multiple concussions over a career. I mean, they, they talk about him playing with punctured lungs and fractured ribs and broken noses and stuff in, in the cup finals. So he's been through a lot. His body's been through a lot. He came into the league at 18. He has a lot of miles on him. Like you said before in the show, the Bruins should be seriously considering picking up some kind of a center at this trade deadline and then probably in free agency as well. They really need to shore that position up in the next few years because if Bergeron doesn't hang it up after this year, it's going to be soon after that. It's not like he's going to sign a four or five year deal. So right. it, if it doesn't come now, it's coming soon. And he's and he's been thinking of it for the first time about retirement. And now with that injury, boy, I, I get a little nervous too because I, I think he, he could go that route. He could say, you know what? It's not worth it to me health-wise. He has won a cup in the past. You know, he, he is a, a Hall of Famer. You know, he is one of the greatest Bruin ever. So I think that he could he could do that. He's only 36. I mean, he still has a long life. And to live with any type of remnants of concussion history, you know, isn't going to be great for his life. And like you said, his young family. So you know, it remains to be seen. But, again, it's just it's – just, Brings you back to the fact that they need to, to, to get a center in this trade deadline, I believe. Uh, all right, so question number four. Chirp number four. Will Don Sweeney be the GM by the 2022 NHL draft? I think he will be. You think he will be? Okay. I think he will be. I think the Bruins' ownership does not give a rat's ass about what the team looks like on the ice. I, I honestly, I don't think they care at all. I think they care if the team is profitable. I think they care if they get playoff dates. I think they care if people are there eating their $12, you know, nachos and drinking their fucking $20 beers. I don't think they give a flying fuck how the team does, uh, except for the fact that more, you know, deeper playoff runs mean more, you know, gate revenue and, and other revenue. Um, so right. as long as he's not running the franchise into the ground and they're still making the playoffs, he'll have a job. They did it with Sendin too. Right. Sendin was here forever. And at the end, right. it it seemed like he was kind of pinching pennies and they never really went out at that time and got the one or two extra players they needed to put them over the top in some of those years when they had Bork and Neely and Oates and, you know, it, they were top-heavy then, just like they're top-heavy now. So he'll have a job. He'll have a job because I don't think ownership yeah. gives a shit. And I agree. And the, the reason, and one of the reasons why he, he got the job was Shirelli was fired because they missed the playoffs. And I guess it was the final straw where 
you know, they missed the playoffs. Sweeney was the assistant general manager at the time, and they let Shirelli go and then uh, had missed the playoffs. So I think that that's a, you know, I, I think that Sweeney will be back as well. And, you know, I wrote about this on InsideTheRank.com. There's some pros and cons to what Sweeney's done. I think he's been pretty good at re-signing players at below market value and friendly deals. I think he's been pretty good at that. I think he has had some really good trades where he's he's acquired Charlie Coyle and he's acquired Taylor Hall for, for guys you really don't miss. You know, I mean, he's won those trades. Uh, he's done that as well. The drafting hasn't been great. He did draft Charlie McAvoy. He did draft, you know, Brandon Carlo in the second in the second uh, round. But he did have Trent Frederick in the first. You know, that 2015 draft was his first. He was two months into the job, and that, you know, that's going to hang over his head forever here. But I think you're right. I think they'll make the playoffs pretty much every year. Uh, and until they don't, he stays. Yeah. Okay. Just just quickly before you uh, jump in on that, I just looked up the Rast thing because I was I was curious about it. So against the Penguins, he was four and zero. He stopped 134 of 136 shots. He gave up two goals in the four games. He had a 985 save percentage and two shutouts. Wow. Nine eight five and two wow. shutouts. They won game four, wow. one nothing on an Adam McQuaid goal. So there you go. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> yeah. That was a series, I think, where Bergeron scored that ridiculous goal in the pass from Marshan from the sideboards where he, he hit him like coming in and he was and he was coming toward like he was coming on the left hand side. He passed the puck across and, and Bergeron like tipped it as he was going to the net and uh one game three in overtime i think and that's i think that was a series and, where he did that and by the way yeah. the penguins going into that in the regular season that year were 36 and 12 the bruins were 28 and 14 uh the penguins had 165 goals which was first in the league yeah so there you go so he shut them down with two goals against nine eight five nine eight wow. five wow. Yeah, that's, that's not elite. I don't know what it is. You haters. <laughs> All right. Uh, Chapter number five. Does the return of Montreal, does the return that Montreal received for Tyler Toffoli make it harder for the Bruins to make significant trades? They do get a first, a fifth, a prospect, and Pitlick uh, in return for Toffoli. Does this sort of set the, set the bar as far as trades are concerned for the Bruins and other teams? It seems like it will. It seems like yeah. they gave up an awful lot to get him. Um, hopefully, closer to the deadline, the price comes down some. I'm not sure if I'm... I mean, the Bruins don't have many pieces to give. No. I'm not no. sure if I'm if I'm giving the few good pieces that I have for a rental for a team that is probably not good enough to win it. So right. I'm not going to give Fabian Lysel and Mason Lowry and Brett Harrison to somebody for, you know, a guy that's going to be here just for the rest of this year. Now, if you can trade mm-hmm. some of those guys for JT Miller and he has term and you can get him to resign, sure. Mm-hmm. I would rather have the established NHL guy than a guy that may or may not be any good in the league. Mm-hmm. By all accounts, Lysel is going to be pretty good. Um, and Lowry mm-hmm. has been really good in college so far at Ohio State. So they look like they might have something with some of these guys, but I'm not sure I'm I'm getting rid of their top talent because they don't have much of it for a rental. Right, and I agree. And, and their prospect pool is really slim as it is. So if you do that, then you're back to square one with your prospect pool again with nothing really there, mm-hmm. and that's not any good because you. If I look for, I looked ahead today earlier today, and they have four forwards that are signed beyond next year. And the rest of them are either one more year UFA or RFA, uh, the whole bunch. So there's, you know, there's Coyle and there's Marchand and there's Hall uh, and there's Smith, I think. Was it Smith? No, it's somebody else. Oh, Pasta. No, Pasta has one more year. Uh, and Smith has one more year. But it was Marchand, Coyle, Hall, and somebody else. But that's about it. I mean, they don't really have anything beyond next year. So – you have to fill fill in with some of your your farm system there, because you can't. You know they've had a history of letting fourth liners go once the market value gets a little bit too much. They don't love to spend more than a million and a half a year or so on a fourth liner, million to a million and a half. So you'd you'd like to be able to fit in another guy from your system. If you don't have anybody there, then you're constantly signing guys for either market value or slightly above 
Like you're chasing it at that point, and they really need some guys who will step in, especially in the bottom six, that can fill some of those positions. Now, hopefully, Oscar Steen's a guy. You know, hopefully, you know they have some other guys in the pipeline who could do that. Maybe a maybe a Beecher or someone could be that. But they don't have many of them, and to give out give away more prospects for for rentals like a Giroux or someone who's never going to resign, or uh, I just I don't love it either. So they're in a pickle there they're in a bind if they can if they can uh, trade picks if they can trade picks like if they they can trade a second round or a third round and and get somebody sure but i'm not i'm not giving up any of those you know handful of top guys for a rental no and i'm not either um all right trip number six does how easily the bruins have handled the cane have been handled by the canes this year show the bruins are too far away from being a a contender to go all in and i say it looks that way (laughs) i just don't know honestly again i'm looking to in the trade deadline i'm looking to help the team next year and in the future like I'm, i'm i'm looking to reshape this roster and Prepare for, you know, no more David Krejci coming back. No Patrice Bergeron. You know, David Pasternak has one more year left. He's going to ask for a boatload this time. He took the team-friendly deal once. not happening again, folks. So you're looking at a, a roster here that's, you know, that's – you don't know. There's some indecision there, and, and you need to solidify some of that with a top six forward and preferably a center – and um, I'm looking for that more so than trying to take a run for it this year. I agree. I think you need to, like we were just talking about, tread lightly on that. You can't give up mortgage the future. I'm with you. I would rather kind of look towards um, next year and, and down the road than looking to make a trade that's going to help you supposedly win because the gap is too large. It just is. The, the other teams are too deep, too talented. You just don't have enough um, to compete with them. I'm, and it shows. You've played them three times. They've, you've gotten two goals. And they've gotten a shitload of goals. We, we don't even have to, I mean, a shitload of goals. Like, embarrassingly high amount of goals to your embarrassingly low amount of goals. So, and you're not there. So, to trade off pieces that you could use in your in your future to, to kind of build and reshape the roster, uh, it just isn't smart. No, it's not smart, and I and I'm with you. And I think that here's the other thing with Patrice Bergeron leaving. You, you have that guy who is able to to talk people into coming here and convincing people. You know, you get on the horn with Craig Smith and some of the other guys that came and signed here. So you kind of lose that too. Chara's gone, Bergeron's gone. You don't have that guy who can recruit for you. So I'm interested to see if people want to come here as free agents too. That's another thing you have to worry about. So it's no given that you can go out and just a bunch of money at a guy and, and hope that he comes, uh, especially if the roster, if you're past your, you know, past this window and you're trying to reload or rebuild some. So it's a, it's a, this is a very, this is an important trade deadline. It's also an extremely important offseason for the Bruins if they really want to continue to be any sort of a contender going forward for sure. All right. And chip number seven, predictions on what Sweeney does at the trade deadline now that we said it. Yeah, I think he I think he's going to go uh with depth pieces like he always has. So I think you're looking at a sixth, seventh defenseman. I think you're looking at a, you know, third, fourth line forward. And that's probably it. I don't think he's going to make a trade for a second line center. If you're looking at JT Miller, the Rangers have much more to offer than you do. So I think you're gonna get beat out. And there's teams that want to actually contend for cups are going to spend more than I think you're willing to give up to get uh, the bigger, higher end pieces that you you truly need. So I think it's going to be depth pieces. It's going to be, you know, your Marcus Johansons or your I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Rich Pebbles. I, I mean, I don't know. It's yeah. gonna it's it's gonna be a guy that's down the lineup. I mean, those guys were both pretty good for the Bruins, um, but I don't think it's going to be that caliber of player. I think it's going to be a guy who is uh, a depth piece or two, and that's yeah. it. Which is, you know, I 
I don't. That's not what you need this year. I mean, that's not going to help you this year. No. And it's certainly not going to help you next year you know, going forward either. Nope. So I think you either. I think you go for a trade, like a hockey trade. First of all, Sweeney has a has a tendency of trying to win the trade. I mean, he's won trades uh, in the past at the deadline. Uh, doesn't take huge risks. You know, he he won the Taylor Hall trade. He won the Charlie Coyle trade. I mean, those are those are good trades and continue to pay dividends but uh i'm not sure he's a guy who will make a hockey trade uh you know since riley smith with jimmy hayes that's you know that's uh that's a, that was a stinker but other than that i mean he tries to win trades and i don't think it's going to happen this year and that other guy was curtis hall not uh not anybody else but curtis hall is signed for two more years out of nowhere uh and of course lysel for three more years so there, there's your guys marshan hall coil Curtis Hall are uh, your four guys uh, signed beyond next year. I think he went to Yale last year. <laughs> I think yeah, he was. He went to Yale. Yeah, I think, I think he, yeah. he's a uh, smart kid. Yeah, I don't know. But he's not. Uh, probably why he took the money. Plan, I don't believe. So there's that. And then, of course, uh, defense has a little more longer term. Grizzlick and Riley are two, two more years. And McAvoy, of course, eight. Carlo for five more years. You know, four board for two more years. So the defense, you're going to see here for a couple more years. But the offense is going to see some new faces, I believe. Uh, so that'll do it for our, for our seven chirps. And now it is time for the Whipping Boys segment. And I feel like I was dying waiting for Trent Frederick to come back into the lineup. <laughs> and uh, he has. <laughs> and uh, he scored early against Ottawa in a 2 to nothing win. And he's played pretty well, actually, tonight. He, he got in on the shootout in, like, round eight or whatever it was. And Jack Edwards said that he was playing the best hockey of his life. And uh, I'm not sure if that's the case. And if it is, that's a shame. But he is playing better hockey. And uh, and more like he needs to play. You know, he needs to play with a little more purpose. He has been more noticeable on the ice. He's been pretty good with Smith and Coyle at 11, 12, 13. Yeah, He's the numbers, the too, numbers so. line. More, more so of this from from Freddie. Yeah, I thought I think he's been pretty good since he's been with Coyle and Smith. Uh, obviously scored the goal. He's been mixing it up a little bit. They've been getting pucks to the net. I I think that line, you know, they have a little something going. So they've been pretty good. Uh, my whipping boy is Connor Clifton, and he has not been good at all. Nope. He's been dreadful. And another defenseman needs to get healthy as soon as possible so Clifton can go back to the ninth floor. He was a minus three in three games this week. They had a shutout, so in that game he wasn't a minus. So in the other two games, mm-hmm. minus three. And tonight he almost killed Taylor Hall. Uh, he passed the puck to the other team at least a few times. He ran out of his way to make hits a few times. And I, I, I think I tweeted it out in the, uh, it might've been in the Ottawa game. It might've been in all games. Cause I don't know. Cause it just seems like it happens every fucking time, but he is very, very lucky. It might've been tonight. He pinched and there was almost a either two on O or possibly a three on one. And he just barely got like a little bit of a stick on it to kind of break it up a little bit, but he's just out of position most of the time, running around most of the time. Somebody somebody tweeted back to me tonight, Connor Clifton is Connor Cliftoning. And they said, is is Cliftoning a verb now? And she said, yes. Well, yes, it is. So now when you're a chicken with your head cut off, running around in your own zone like an asshole, you from now on, you will be known as Cliftoning. Yeah. Well, it used to be Cliffy Hockey, and now it is kind of Cliftoning. Yeah, it's just Cliftoning. I have never seen a defenseman do what Clifton did tonight by coming in at a thousand miles an hour into the zone and taking a left and going toward the sideboards <laughs> and crushing his left wing, <laughs> like maiming him. Like, I, I've never seen that in my where. Is he going? I, I don't get it. Like he's headhunting Taylor Hall. He's like, "Fuck yeah. this guy." He was in the take him out. zone. Like, where are you going? Yeah, it was just horrific. Yeah, like, I, Hall's probably Hall's probably swearing under his breath. He's like, "Dude, yeah. you're the fucking right D. Why are you on my side of the ice in the first place? And why the fuck are you hitting me?" Wow, like that was that was really. 
really pathetic, uh, and he almost hurt uh, Hall, which would have been really, really bad at this point, folks. Uh, so, uh, yeah, so Clifton, uh, I'm ready for him to be out. Let's let's throw Jack Ashan in there. Hopefully back gets healthy. Like, this, let's, it's, it's enough. Clifton is seventh or eighth defenseman, and only that, only then. He goes in the game. Uh, all right, time for our beauties and benders. Uh, this is where we pick three beauties, three good players for this week, and then three benders, three underperforming players. In my uh, beauties, number three, I want to give it to Trent Frederick. He's played pretty well, had the goal against Ottawa. Uh, played well again tonight, and he's playing more like he needs to. Seems to be around the puck a little more and just making better plays. So I'm going to give Trent Frederick a number three there. He's been pretty good. Uh, number two, Mike Riley is, is now with Charlie McAvoy. He's played really well, played well on Saturday, uh, played well again tonight. He, he seems to fit in there with Charlie, and it's been a pretty good pair uh, as they move uh, Grizzly to uh, with um Kylo. With Brandon Carlo, try to try to get Carlo going, probably. Mm-hmm. But uh, Mike Riley's been really, really good in the last few games here and starting to settle in, which is good to see and necessary. And the number one, Charlie Coyle, I thought had a really good three games. I thought he's stepping, you know, rising to the occasion, stepping up for the challenge with Bergeron out, Marchand out, and like I said, the 11, 12, 13 lines pretty good, uh, doing pretty well. Coyle had the, had the goal tonight, and then a, a really nice goal to keep the shootout alive as well. So Coyle. My number one view. I agree with 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 all of that actually. So Thanks. I wanted to go in a different direction because I didn't want to copy you. So uh, my number three beauty, I have Charlie McAvoy. Just been a stud. I thought he was really one of the only guys in the Carolina game that was noticeable on the ice for the Bruins. He laid out Sebastian Ajo. He took a fight that he should that he really didn't need to take, but he was hitting. He was everywhere, playing a ton of minutes as usual. And then, obviously, in the rest of the games this week, he's been good. So, uh, I McAvoy at number three. Number two, I have uh, Curtis Lazar. I thought he was excellent uh, this week. He and Bleed really caused some havoc in the uh, Ottawa game. And then, first, I had Anton Bleed. Him and Lazar combined for a bunch of hits. And, uh, you know, they've been really good on the fourth line for the Bruins. And that combination helped them get the win in Ottawa. They've all been pretty good. Um, I really like what Lazar has brought to the table this year. He's getting yeah. better and better. And uh, he's been a good good guy to have. And, you know, we'll see if uh, those bottom, you know, the bottom six can continue to play consistently. Then that'll cure a lot uh, of what ailed them in the beginning part of the year. All right, time now for the three benders. My three benders, number three, David Pasternak. Base. You're a neo-maxi-zoomed weeby. Pasta hasn't been great. Tonight he was trying, you, you mentioned it on the tweets uh, at Bruins Benders on Twitter, a lot of one-on-one stuff, just trying to beat guys one-on-one, not really getting back into the flow of it. As hot as he was, it looks like now without Marchand and, and Bergeron, now you know that, that top line is, is Hall and, and Hall and, and Pasternak. So now you're getting the best defense, you know, they get a lot of focus, best defensive effort, and, and it seems to be affecting Pasta. So I had Pasta at three. Number two. Uh, the bulldozer, Connor Clifton. Face, you're a neo maxi zoom dweeby. I mean, he is a hammerhead. <laughs> and uh, he, 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 I still can't get over that play. Uh, I need to find like a, like a gif. I need to make a gif of that play where he just takes a left hand turn <laughs> at full speed and crushes his own teammate. <laughs> Uh, that's like an NHL 22, whatever. You, you're getting pissed, yeah. at, you know, and you, you're just going to try to hit your own teammate, you know, and try and knock <laughs> yeah. them down. Score on your own goalie, yeah. That's right. That's what he was doing. And at number one, Brandon Carlo. Face, you're a neo-maxi-zoomed dweeby. Brandon is lost, it seems. And there was a part today where he, he took a hit from someone, and it looked like he was just, he was like Matt Grizzlick. He was a little guy. He just got shoved to the ice, and he doesn't seem very confident with the puck. Every time he goes to get it in his own zone, it just seems like a chore to try to make a play. You know, just try to get it out. Just try to make a play to advance the puck. Everything is just real deliberate. Uh, obviously, as you said before, not doing a lot offensively at all, which he won't anyway, but he's capable of doing some things when he's going well. He'll occasionally jump in or occasionally get a goal or make a play in the offensive zone. He's doing none of that. He's just been really bad. And this five more years of Brandon Carlo, trying to figure this out, if it's injury or if it's just plain old lack of confidence, but he needs to be better because they're in it for the long term with him. He does need to be so, better, uh, and he needs to be better in a hurry. There was a play tonight, and it's just emblematic of, of his season. He makes a, a pretty good uh, pinch in in the neutral zone, wins the puck, 
And Craig Smith is literally like three strides in front of him, wide open, kind of calling for it to go across the Rangers blue line and for an offensive chance. And instead he just fires it into their zone without looking at anyone and doing anything. Like not every play is a chip up the fucking boards, Brandon. Like sometimes you can pass a puck to your teammates. It's okay. It's allowed. That's what, that's what I mean. It just seems like sometimes he's so not confident with the puck. Right. I need to just get rid of it. I need to get rid of it as soon as I can. Yeah. yeah and, and that's a big problem with him, and hopefully that uh, starts to get ironed out because he's been a real liability. Uh, yeah, so uh, number three for for me is uh, Nick. Well, yeah. I w- honestly, I would have had some of those guys, but again, I don't want to copy and, right. and re- re- keep rehashing the same guys. I definitely would have had pasta, by the way. Yeah. Anyway, so uh, number three, I had Nick Felino. Base. You're a Neo Maxi Zoom dweeby. So Nick is a minus player. He's not adding anything offensively. He just hasn't really been doing much of anything. And uh, they brought him in to move up and down the lineup, you know, chip in offensively. He hasn't really done any of that. He has provided, I guess, a little bit of leadership and, and hitting and so forth, but not getting nearly enough from Felino. My number two bender is Connor Clifton because I'm going to double up because he sucks that bad. Base, you're a neo-maxi-zoomed weeby. He does. Uh, everything's been said that needs to be said. He's a seventh or eighth defenseman. He should be watching the games. Uh, and number one, I have Austin Watson. Base, you're a neo-maxi-zoomed weeby. I'm giving it to somebody on the other team. Again, this is for his elbow, high hit, whatever, on Jack Ashan. Got two game suspension from player safety. It was deserved. And um, I, I still can't believe that Anton Bleed got a matching fucking minor for yeah. shoving the guy. He didn't even, yeah. like, punch him in the face or anything. He just right. shoved him. Here's the thing. That play, this is why guys aren't stepping up for teammates. Because they're not allowed to at least respond in a way that, you know, is borderline, but they're going to let it go because they understand the situation. That right. Someone took a hard hit. So I'm going to face wash a guy or I'm going to grab a guy around the neck. Yeah. Or I might throw a soft little punch at him or whatever or, or take, take him to the ground like they did tonight with Craig Smith in overtime. Right. He goes in hard. There's some contact. He goes down the puck. He, he bats it in. It's no goal, obviously. But then they attack him. They attack him. Two yeah. guys attack yeah. him. And then they match the penalties by saying it was goalie interference. Really? Yeah. Your arm wasn't up when it happened. No. <laughs> but now you're matching the penalties because there was a retalia- retaliation. Yeah. I, so they, I think that the inconsistency of that is a problem. It is. The officiating in the league, you, you never know what you're going to get from game to game. I mean, some guys will just let it all go. Some guys will call everything. And then there's not really any kind of protection and allowing the team that gets wronged to stand up for the guy that got hit or injured or whatever. The Bruins had two guys knocked out of game and no player safety is involved at all. And Mm -hmm. they still haven't come back to play. So the inconsistency is just maddening. Yeah, that's that that's the problem in that situation. And and I don't blame blame guys for, for not wanting to retaliate or, or cautioning on it because you get another penalty or a match a situation or something, then it's just it's just bad officiating and, and it should get more of a feel for the game there. All right, now it's top seven Bruins Benders Podcast Power Rankings and number seven re entering is the New York Rangers. Just beat the Bruins sixty six points now, eight and two. In their last 10. Number six, Maple Leafs fall one spot. They are 31, 12, and three, having a really good year this year. And now we'll have to see if they can carry it into the postseason and actually win a first round matchup. Number five, Hurricanes, Carolina Hurricanes drop a spot. They're plus 52 in goal differential, plus 14 of those against the Bruins. <laughs> uh, great. Uh, number four, the Penguins, Pittsburgh Penguins jump three spots. They're first in the Metro. They're 6-1-3 and three in their last 10 and surging. Come out of nowhere to take over the lead in the Metro. And Sid Crosby, yeah. his 500th career. 500. He's now, he's past Johnny Busick, and he's uh, 26th all-time in points. Uh, in the National Hockey League. Number three, Tampa Bay Lightning stay there. 7-2-1 in the last 10. I'm not sure what happened tonight. They were playing the Devils tonight. Probably won. Uh, I think they probably was 3-3 late. So okay. I, would, I would imagine that they, 
they pulled that out. Number two, Florida Panthers. They drop a spot, 69 points, first in the Atlantic. And the Colorado Avalanche, so the top spot this week, they gain a spot, 9-0-1 out of the last 10. They're 34-8-4 overall. And as we said before, if they get the goaltending finally, then maybe they can actually make that run they've been trying to make for a few years now. And the Bruins are going to... Bruins are going to see them next week, so that'll be. Uh, yeah, we're going to see them again next week. That'll be a lot of fun for for everyone <laughs> well, involved. Blow, and I capitalize <laughs> blow a lead against them. Yeah, most, most recently. So here's yeah, the uh, Bruins Benders podcast bottom three power less rankings mm. coming in at number thirty. The Philadelphia Flyers, who are minus forty five goal differential, they blow a four two lead late tonight to the Penguins. They are in a bad way and have been for, for quite a bit, uh, probably since the new year, they've been playing really, really bad hockey, looking to sell off a lot of the, a lot of the players on that team. So uh, good luck to that. Arizona coming in at number 31. They are minus 71 goal def- differential. They are two and eight in their last 10 and soon to be playing their home games at the local MDC. <laughs> <laughs> They, they, the capacity is like 5,000, which they probably still won't fill, but it's still embarrassing. What's embarrassing is they were trolled by an AHL team. It was actually, it was actually glorious because they were, they tweeted out something about, you know, the new rink on the campus of Arizona state looking pretty snappy. And the, uh, AHL San Jose, uh, Barracuda said, uh, I think our rink is bigger than that. (laughs) (laughs) It probably is. And it probably is. It It probably is. is. Yeah. I'm telling you, it is just for the league to allow that to happen. Can you imagine? And it wouldn't happen because of the money and, and everything, revenue and everything. But can you, you imagine the New England Patriots playing at like you know Harvard Stadium or something or like yeah. like, like like for God's sakes like I mean I don't I don't yeah. understand that's what it would be like it yeah. would be like the the Patriots playing at like Everett High yeah. Yeah. I mean, and you could see the commissioner saying, "Yeah, sounds like a good idea," and not only that, but not for like the rest of the year or like a year. It's like three to four year deal. Yeah, it's a four year deal, I believe. Four year deal. I mean, wow, to really allow that. I mean, my goodness, that's. Wow. Okay, and then number 32 is your Montreal Canadiens. Oh. Mm-hmm. Still mm-hmm. an eight win. <laughs> still, still have eight wins. I haven't changed that line in like five weeks. They have lost 10 in a row. They are 0-8-2 and in their last 10. They are minus 89 goal differential and dropping wow. like a stone. They just Ooh, traded Tyler wow. Toffoli. I don't know if they have anybody left. Do they have anybody that can play left? Oh, is Josh Anderson healthy? Is I don't he know back if he's healthy. healthy. Still has seven healthy. goals, right? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Leads the I team. No I should look that up. Pete. We're gonna Petrie doesn't Petrie wants out. I mean, yeah, they just don't have anybody. Next year, we're gonna give the team leader in points on the on the on the Canadians as part of the uh, powerless rankings. Yes, yes, that's what we'll do. Team leader, team leader, in team points. leader in points. Uh, all right, week ahead for the Boston Bruins, February seventeenth at the New York Islanders, February nineteenth at Ottawa again, and then February twenty first, as we've talked about, versus the Colorado Avalanche at the Boston or TD Garden, uh, and hoping to avenge that loss where they blew the lead to the Avalanche back in Denver. Bruins Benders poll this week. We have a poll every week, so follow us at Bruins Benders on Twitter. We're also on Instagram and Facebook. Will general manager Don Sweeney's contract be renewed after this season? And you said already, Smitty, that you think it will be. I think absolutely it will be. He will be back. Will be. Much to okay, my so chagrin. Yeah, and much, and much. Well, I mean, much to mine as well. I just caution who who you would get. Like, I, th- there's that whole piece. That's true. Who you would get if uh, if you were to let him go? Uh, so that's obviously something that you have to think about. He hasn't been terrible. I mean, they've been in contention for much of you know the last you know since as long as he's been in there. Really, uh, they've been either a, a play- solid playoff team or in Stanley Cup contention. So it hasn't been horrific. What's horrific is the state of the Bruins now as this core leaves, mm-hmm. and now he has to re- someone has to rebuild the roster. And is he capable of that? He hasn't done that piece yet. I don't think he's fashion. capable of it because he can't draft. And if you right. can't draft, then you then you can't build a team. Because you need right. to hit in the draft to build your fucking team. And right. 
it all goes back to the 2015 draft. Miss, miss, miss. That's yeah. tough. Miss, yeah, yeah, that's tough. That's tough. And he's had other misses. And, yeah. and guys who are still, you know, Zaboral and Vakanine are still sort of up in the air. What are you going to get out of them? And Frederick was a first rounder, which never should have been. I mean, he's a third round guy, fourth round guy. Right. Uh, shouldn't have been that. You know, reaches that, that have been there, a little bit of smartest guy in the room mm-hmm. to him. You know, a little bit of I'm going to reach for this guy. Who knows if it's because they think they could sign them or leverage or whatever the reasons are. But they don't. They had, you know, they don't tend to go for even Mason Lower. I was a was a reach. I mean, he's been very, very good and looks to be a, an excellent prospect. But he when he was down the list, mm-hmm. like he was out of nowhere when they drafted. Him. I was like, who the hell is that guy? Yep. You know, playing at Green Bay. But he's turned out. You know, looks like he'll turn out to be okay. Johnny Beecher, another one. Like, what is that guy? Is mm-hmm. he, he's at Michigan. He's doing okay now. He had injury last year. What does he give you? Who is he? Uh, reports are it's bottom six, more than top six, which, okay, fine. But first rounders, you really don't want the bottom six. Oh, you want those guys in the third and fourth round. So anyway, the 75, 75 votes and 53 said, yes, he will be renewed. And 47 said no. Mm-hmm. So it's 50-50 really there. Yeah. Whether yes or no, and I and I I'm with you. I think he's going to be. They're going to make the playoffs mm-hmm. because they're too far ahead of the Red Wings. I mean, yeah. they're going to make the playoffs. Yeah, and they're going to lose in the first round, and they're going to get whatever that is, a couple of dates at the Garden, a uh, couple of concession dates, and then they're going to move on to next year and try to you know make the playoffs again. And as long as that happens, I think he's he's in the mix for sure. So uh, it'll remain to be seen. It'll also remain to be seen what he'll do, the trade deadline. Hey, rate and review us for charity. We had a couple of ratings recently on Apple Podcasts. We appreciate it. We are donating a dollar to the Bruins Foundation for every rate and review on Apple or any rating on Spotify. We'll do that at the end of the season. And go ahead and rate us on Spotify and on Apple. Uh, and also go to InsideTheRink.com for Bruins, Benders, merchandise. We have hoodies and T-shirts on there, uh, a few different colors and sizes. Go on InsideTheRink.com. Also check out the articles, some of them by yours truly. Yeah. And, uh, and uh, we'll see some great Bruins content and also other content from around the league as well. And that'll do it for episode number 16, Carolina on my mind. It'll be Colorado on our mind. This week. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, yeah, so for uh, Spinny, I am Maddie, and have a great week and go Bruins. Thanks a lot. Bye bye.